You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Cripple Content Creations and Podcast Jukebox present Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. This is a show that started out only talking about sex and disability. It was a podcast that was dedicated to exploring the ins and outs of sex and disability because we don't talk about that hardly at all. But as the show has grown, I realized that Disability After Dark could shine a light on so many other things about disability we don't talk about, and that was really exciting. So, now, this show is a show that will shine a light on the experience of disability, whether we're talking about sexuality, accessibility, or anything and everything in between. Come shine a bright light on all things disability with me, your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. The podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. 
you're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in dark pod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. And you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store at 50% off. And then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free as part of your offer. This is such a great deal. And this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners. And I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. My name is Andrew Gerza, and thank you for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sexual... Oh, oh! On disability, sexuality, and everything in between, I am your host, Andrew Gerza, which I've just said, and I'm repeating it. I'm Andrew Gerza. Uh, Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get this show started. First things first, I want to give a shout out to one of the awesome Patreon supporters of the show who went to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledged their hard-earned dollars to shine a bright light on the show and keep it going. Thank you so much. And the person that I want to give that shout out to today is, let me pull up their name. Their name is Robin Lyons Peretti. Robin Lyons Peretti, you are pretty great for pledging $5 a month to this program and you join the people who have signed up for the Build an Episode with Me tier, which means that you can email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com with an idea for an episode and we can build it together. Or you can guest if you want to. We can do that too. That's an option. So Robin Lyons Peretti, thank you so much for your pledge. If you want to pledge to the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and you can pledge $1 a month to get the show one day early. So on the Patreon feed, you would hear the show every Wednesday and then you would also get a weird, funny, awkward pun type thing for me for the show. Or you can also pledge a $5 a month where you can build the show with, you can build the show with me on any topic of your choice, and we'll make a show out of that around disability. So yeah, those are options. You can do that at the address I just said. Thank you, Robin Lyon Peretti, for pledging. But now, let's get to today's show. On the show today, I sit down with my new friend, Audrey Amar, who is a voiceover artist in Toronto, who is also visually impaired. We met because we did a TV spot a few months back for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, did an did a series called You Can't Ask That, and we met on that circuit, and I spent a day with them doing press, and we just had the most fun doing that, and I was like, oh my goodness, you have to come on my show, and they were like, yes, yes, please, I have so many things I want to talk to you about. So we, we have a chat about being visually impaired, and accessing sexual health, learning about your body while being visually impaired. Um, She tells us a hilarious story about the time she had to scream to somebody, no, you can't fuck my eye socket. 
and so much more. This was a great interview, super fun. I really enjoyed having her, and I hope you love this interview. So have a listen with my of I can't speak. Let's try again. Have a listen to my interview with Audrey Amar right now on Disability After Dark. Actually, before the right now with Disability After Dark and Audrey, I want to let you know that it's almost December 6th, which means you can send in, you still have time to send in your funny, hilarious, side-cracking sex stories about disability for our next Minnesota to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Send me all your hilarious letters. I want to hear these stories so much. We did one way back where people send in their funny stories and it was hilarious. I want to hear your funny, hilarious disability sex stories. Send those in and I will read them on the next Minnesota. The Minnesota drops December 6th and I haven't gotten anything in the inbox yet on the day of this recording. So I'd love to, um, I'd love for you to send in your funny, sexy disability stories about weird things that happened. Did the attendant walk in on you? Did your mom walk in on you? Did your wheelchair malfunction during a blowjob? Did something happen? Let me know. Send them in to the me and we I will read them back to you and we'll laugh together. Um, all right, but now, he, on to my interview with Audrey Amar on the show right now. And I'm super rambling, but I'm going to stop now. Here it is. Audrey Amar, hello. Hello. I am very excited to have you on Disability After Dark. How are you today? Doing very well, thank you. It's so nice that you finally coordinated a chance to talk. I know, and I say this on like every version of the podcast that I do with guests. It takes like it takes so long for disabled people to actually find a space to be in a digital space together because of disability stuff. So I always appreciate when we finally get a chance to do this stuff. I hear that, yeah. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and who, tell us who you are and what you do. Okay, my name is Audrey Amar. I'm a voice actor living in Toronto. And um, in my not so spare time, I also run a theater production company and um, sing, paint, whatever else comes to mind. So you, I guess you're you're more of a creative then. I'd like to think so. That's awesome. It's better to think of myself as some sort of hack. We well, I don't think you. I don't think you are one, and you're not so good. Oh, um, that's. We we met a few months ago because we did a TV spot together because we were on a. Did we were on a CBC Canada show called that's right. "You Can't Ask That," which is all about um, which is a which is a show basically where they take people with different life experiences and ask them inappropriate questions that you really shouldn't ask and then we answer them for you. Yeah, I which I, I gotta say, uh, it was a wonderful experience. I had a great time doing that. The people we worked with were lovely, weren't they? They were. They uh, were so kind and so nice to us. They were amazing, yeah. Um, I, I did find the name of the show kind of funny because it's called You Can't Ask That, but people do. <laughs> and it was weird because they <laughs> were that had gotten before and that sort of thing yeah and because they were uh, like they were asking too so it's like wait the whole i totally get it it's like why you can't if you can't ask that why are you asking it but at the same oh, I, asking, buddy. I mean like i like the fact that they did it on the show but um 
what's what was sort of funny about the premise was that it was supposed to be questions that people were too shy or too afraid or too worried to offend to ask but at least at least for me i'm not sure i'm not sure what the experience was for you a lot of the questions uh i got were um were ones that i definitely had been asked before and many times yeah, I mean, it didn't feel like if, and it kind of felt. And I again, I loved it. And I don't want to take any away from the producers. It was great. It was a great, yeah. great experience. Hire me again. I'll work with you again. But uh, but I also feel <laughs> like um, they they were questions that the disabled people have heard so many times over. I think it was really. And again, I think this is an interesting way that media is trying to couch disability right now. We're still in a in a space in disabled media stuff where we're kind of unintentionally not meaning to but still sort of are pandering to the non-disabled community trying to be like trying to make make it palatable for them and I think that's one of the issues that the production team may have ran into well the idea behind it behind the show was uh, pretty much uh, destigmatizing which I think they did very successfully Part of that uh, process, I feel, especially for people with disabilities uh, and, and learning about disability and impairment and whatever else, is that you do kind of have to cover known territory. You know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah. have to get past those initial questions. Like one of the ones that um, that I've like, I, I think I mentioned this one to you is um, people always, 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 always ask me, and glasses don't help? <laughs> um on, on my on my less uh, generous and more um. Hold on, let's back less, up. Uh, let's back up for just a minute though, because we haven't we haven't sure. we, we don't know. <laughs> so so Audrey, before you answer that question, yeah. um, what is your disability and how does it affect your day to day life? Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I I have a visual impairment um that I was born with that deteriorated about the time till I was about four years old. And it's been uh, pretty stable ever since. The way it affects my life mainly is um, in, in practicality, I could say that I don't drive. Um, I use a white cane at night or um, on a, on, in like a new area that I, that I haven't uh, traveled to before, an unfamiliar um, neighborhood or what, whatever else it may be. And um, uh I hold my phone closer to my face than the average person. Yeah, and and I, I noticed that as we're speaking, so you can like you can, can you make out now? This again, I don't want this to sound ignorant, but it is a question that I have. Can you? And I know with visual impairments, it's a whole spectrum of things. So can you see certain shapes, colors? Um, I'm good with colors. I I um. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely good with colors. I. I think that my my fashion sense speaks for itself. Thank you. <laughs> so you like bright I, things? Yeah, if you watch, you can't ask that. My lipstick shade perfectly matches my dress. If 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 you're able to see, watch it again. It's perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, so colors, silhouettes, I can see. Depth is my weak point. I don't. I don't see depth. It's which that sort of means that um. Everything I'm looking at sort of looks like I'm looking at a picture or a screen or something. Everything looks flat. So even if you're looking at a person's face, like I'm just trying to visualize that myself. So it's not. You don't have to visualize it. Uh, just close one eye and you'll have a good sense of what it is. If my CP would allow me to actually do one, if I had enough fine motor skills to actually close one eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I would, but uh, I mean, I can't. I'm doing it right now, and it's not. It's not really working. But um, <laughs> so enough. so, okay. So it's like you can see half of the thing you're looking at. It's it's not so much half is that depth is created by having two uh two points um of like where uh of of um of your vision intersecting somewhere in the middle so that's why most people when they're told to look at their nose um their eyes cross because yeah. that point uh, is is usually just a few inches off of where off of the bridge of your nose like in, in front of you so um by seeing something from two different uh, perspectives, two different points, you get a sense of its depth, where it is in space, how big it is, how far you have to reach in order to touch it, and that sort of thing. Um, in my case, I'm looking at it with one, uh, through one point. So, um, yeah, in that sense, I'm looking at something like, hmm. It is it is sort of hard to describe with us not being in the same room. I have all my my like bag of tricks, but it all involves being uh, right beside the person to whom I'm speaking. Um, but it's a uh, yeah because it's one point. Um, I can't I can't tell exactly how far it is necessarily unless it's a familiar object. Okay, so like if it's your if it's your I don't know the. the chair you sit in all the time you, and you know where it's going to be and you know it's going to be there all the time you, you you're comfortable to like do that but if it's somewhere you've never been mm -hmm. it's... um yeah like moving the the chair i'm sitting right now is a huge faux pas in this house um any sort of furniture i use regularly you don't move it um otherwise um i have i have my 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 little hacks for um for, for everyday life, if I'm meeting someone for the first time, when I used to work in HR, for example, I don't necessarily know the uh, size, shape, length, distance of someone's hand when they're going to shake mine. I have hit crotches in the past. Unfortunately, that's where a lot of people fall. Um, so when I'm going to meet someone, as I'm walking towards them, I'll put my hand out first so they can they can come to meet me. <laughs> yeah. So that if, if I don't try to play that game anymore. <laughs> That's probably not the greatest game to play in LHR. However, if you were going to like a sex club or a sex party, that might that might with consent be a be a maybe a fun game to try. With consent, yes, maybe. Or it's like hello to you and to you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. a far gap. That's all I'm saying. Um, I wasn't gonna jump into the sexy stuff right away, but since we're kind of sort of like teasing that out there. How... That's okay. It happens to me kind of naturally. Well, I like it because it happens to me naturally too. So our senses of humor match up quite well. It's uh, it's not surprising this didn't take us long. No, no, no. We're only like four minutes in, and it's already happening. It's good. Um, yeah. Let's... <laughs> um. So how? And I've spoken to some visually impaired people in the show before. How does visual impairments affect your sense of? Well, before we get to sex, how does it affect your sense of like? self and your sense of like how you see yourself and your sense of beauty and your sense of like feeling your sense of self-worth because so often when we talk about sexuality and and the body particularly around disability we're not talking about those who have visual impairments we're talking about wheelchair users who can see themselves and who can um who can who have that privilege so for you how does that differ or does it at all um, the, I have a, um, I have a 
decent sense of what I look like. I think I'm very fortunate that I was able to uh, retain enough enough vision through medical intervention um, to be able to know relatively what I look like. But every so often, a candid picture will be snapped at me, and I'll be like, ah, really? Um, <laughs> because, you know, you can only get so close to a mirror before you start missing, you know, the whole picture. Yeah. Uh, if I was going to get close enough to um, – to like to myself in a mirror, then probably I'd be seeing uh, like cheekbone to eyebrow <laughs> if I'm going to see myself in detail. Um, but sometimes, you know, the nice thing about like having pictures and smartphones and stuff is you get to see yourself smaller than life. Yeah. So you get to see your whole experience, like your whole body through a screen. Um, yeah, exactly. Just as, um, we, just as we were talking about that, though, I am curious. Did, did that did that change when you were coming up as like a teenager and going through all the pubescent things we all do? Did that change? Did that change how you like learned about your body? Um. Well, we always had those those um, super progressive gym teachers who would tell us to take a mirror and take a look at your vagina and get to know it better. And I'm like, I can't see that far. <laughs> how do I get down? Yeah. I'm flexible. I can do yoga. I can't do that. And like holding a mirror at my crutch is just not a practical way to learn about myself. And not this wasn't thing that these I weren't the days either. where like again we had smartphones and everything. I could just snap a candid and be like, oh, there it is. Interesting. Um yeah, so I was just like, okay, so I guess everyone else will get to know about themselves except me and whatever. Those them them's breaks. Um But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I did feel sort of like uh, at a bit of a disadvantage with with having to navigate sort of how how you know these these classes how this advice applied to me and there like uh, and I asked teachers I've I've never had a problem advocating for myself we could call it just the fact that I was born with a uh, uh, with my impairment or my own uh, uh, inflated sense of self. Good for you. Um, good for you. I say good. You no, know, it works. It's it's sometimes hard to get through doors with my giant ego, but uh, yeah. So uh, I have asked this in the past, like, okay, what should I do? And they're like, mm, I don't know. Oh, you're just like, great. Okay. Standing here in front of you, 13 years old, you got nothing for me. Okay. Um, when you were like, let's go, let's like put ourselves in that health class for a minute, right? Like. When you were coming up, and again, when, I, when I've advocated for more accessibility and sexual help, I'm typically talking about it from my privilege as a wheelchair user. To be mm. fair, I've never really considered what a visually impaired person would need for sexual health to be more accessible. Do you now, kind of in your being a grown-up and having grown up, do you, do you have like an, any advice for possible sexual health accessibility things for blind people? Okay, for for blind people and visually impaired people, those are going to be um, uh, different conversations. So I'll okay. start with visual impairment because that's um, the one the one with which I have more experience. Um, I'm very fortunate that I've I haven't encountered this in my adult life, but please, visually impaired teens, children, whoever else is listening to this. 
Google what different kinds of sores look like and just know what you're dealing with if you encounter it. Don't don't be afraid to just, I, I would say that I, I sincerely mean this because it's kind of funny the things that people think they can get away with uh, in a sexual encounter when they when they know or think that you can't see as well as they can. Um, oh. Please know what stuff like, what it's not supposed to look like and get in there, get close. And you tell them, look, I'm visually impaired. I got to know what, what I'm dealing with. I haven't, I, I didn't go to your last STD check, STI check. Um, so yeah, I need to know what's going on. Don't be shy. If they cared enough to get that close to you, they should be able to go through one last, uh, one last uh, hoop for you. Yeah, I think that's... So that's what I would say. Get familiar with what blisters, sores, everything else looks like, and, and just know it so that you can recognize it close up. Don't be shy. It's your health. That's all. Um, and for blind people, for blind people specifically, um, huh, well, I guess uh, the one-night stand thing... Uh, I'm, is is going to be trickier, but I would say if you're getting close with someone, you can say like, hmm. Well, I mean, it depends on your comfort level, what the dynamic of the relationship is. Is you could be like, look, before we get closer, I I want to get a sense of your sexual health. How can we how can we navigate that? How can we move forward with knowing that both of us are safe, both of us are going to be okay? Because I can't necessarily see stuff that would otherwise be a red flag to others. Maybe that. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, I think everyone should be, should be doing something of the sort based on whatever their disabilities are or abilities. They should be doing that regardless. Not saying yeah. I'm going to get super close shy to you. Shy when it comes to your health, your safety. Don't be shy. Don't be scared. Yeah. Um, I was talking more generally about like, if you were in the classroom with the teacher and they were, and let's say the 13-year-old self was in the room, like what would you have wanted them to do at 13 as a visually impaired person? Um, what would you have wanted them to do for you to make it more accessible? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's the thing about, yeah, uh, sorry for my um, my deviating on oh, my- Oh no, I love, my... that, I love that you went to a deep dive to like, <laughs> when you went it's there, I was like- I was With like, visually impaired blind youth? I need them to not be shy. That'd and be and so I just wanted to get that out there right away. No, I, I now, love it and I'm here for that. But I was like, whoa, she's going right to sores. All right, that's what we're doing. You okay, got to deal with this stuff. I love it though. I'm not shy. And that's my, that's my whole thing with advocacy. It's just like, you can't be shy. So, um, well, you, you can, of course, but I mean like, don't be afraid to still advocate. Yeah. In the health class situation specifically, um, those black and white cartoons just don't do it. <laughs> You got to bring in, and and again, that's shyness. We need to distance ourselves from the pictures we're looking at of labias and testicles and scrotums and everything. Yeah, that's why we use those black and white images of of just like two D drawings. Like it's it's not helpful to people who, who who need that. So like, what I would say is, oh, here's an idea. Um, models. Yeah, those exist. Every every um gynecological place I've ever been to has had a three-dimensional model of, of at least, um, of at least female anatomy yeah, or, or female. Yeah. Like uh female genitalia or, or labeled as such, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, 
I think that that should be really readily available because, you know, if you're figuring out the world by touch, not necessarily something you could do in the classroom unless there's a model. I think that's a great, and I never considered that. That's a great option. So sexual health teachers out there, take note of this if you're listening. And I know some of you are, so listen, pay attention to that. Also, for like the penis having model, that would have also helped me realize I was queer super quick. I would have known for sure that I was like, oh, I like this super quick. Like, I would have uh-huh. been able to maybe. And also, I think if you're a person, if you're a. This whole hands going, this is working for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. I also <laughs> think that, like, if you are somebody with, like, limited dexterity and you maybe can't reach your own genitalia or you can't explore it the way they tell you to with the mirror and stuff, you could do that through a model. Yeah. And, like, where different sensations will sort of fall if you if you have um if you have um if if you if if you're just going off a sense of touch alone just where those sensations will occur on you and you're like oh that means that that means that that means i have a uti you know stuff like that yeah yeah um that was a i that was a really great conversation because i i've never honestly in doing all the work that i do and being as open as i have been i never when I said we, when I, I say continually that we should have disabled representations in like health class, I never truly gave visually impaired or blind people a thought, which is my own privilege. And thank you for knocking that, knocking me off that pedestal and making me think more critically about it. Oh no worries, I'm I'm happy to knock anybody off of anything anytime. Wow, that <laughs> wow. Um, how does <laughs> how does your visual impairment affect your sex life? It doesn't. I hmm. I mean, uh, I'm married now, so I'm and and we're we're in a monogamous marriage. Um. So. I mean it in a positive way when I say there are no surprises. Well, that's good though. <laughs> yeah, there are no bad surprises. I should say. Um. And uh, yeah, I tend I tend to be um uh pretty tactile in my day-to-day life so yeah the uh the lack of vision doesn't really doesn't really have too too much of an impact however uh speaking of impact oddly enough um the nature of my visual impairment <laughs> we're gonna get to headboard accidents um i'm ready so ready for it <laughs> The nature of my visual impairment is that if I have any uh, impact to to my skull or or severe pressure changes or things like that, um, then uh, then it could put my my vision at risk and I might have to make a trip to the hospital uh, in order to to repair my retinas. So um, when I was explaining this to someone many many years ago, long before I met my my spouse now, um, she asked me. Uh, if uh if i had ever if i had ever you know gotten bumped you know like like during intimacy or anything like that and i said yeah i mean yeah i've i've hit my head a few times she's like oh shouldn't you wear a helmet <laughs> oh no she wanted you to wear wait a minute hold on she wanted you to wear a sex helmet a sex helmet yeah totally all right let's be a little bit abstract here for a minute what do you in your I mean, there- 
hockey player fetish to the best of my understandings, which in that case, I could see it working. No, but like, okay, if you were to visual, okay, let's pretend like you took her up on this offer, okay? Let's pretend like you were like, cool. The next time I have sex, I'm going to get a sex helmet. What the fuck does a sex helmet in your mind look like to you? I don't know. I guess it's fuzzy. I guess it's handcuffs, li- like handcuffs. I guess it's soft. Like I don't know. Like I don't know. Um, I don't know. Or or maybe you could go like we could go over to like a, um, like like a gimp style thing. Maybe it's leather. It depends what you're into. I there should be, be a variety. You know of what? I would be kind of cool. Now I I don't. I am not ever. I'm never worried about bumping my head during sex. Usually, so that would not be something that I would that I would access. But I mean. Maybe, and this is a very serious question, maybe it's a good thing for somebody with, like, brain injury stuff. Maybe it is a good thing we have to... Yeah, or neck stuff. Yeah, you never know. But I do think that if if such things exist, I don't think we should have to resort to hockey helmets right away. Maybe no. there's a splice thing that's sexier. Um, any lingerie makers out there listening or people who are into, like, custom lingerie, DM me and let's talk about sex helmets for real. It's- sex helmets. Yeah. It started out as a joke, but maybe it's actually a real thing. We could really make something here. We could definitely be onto something. So when she <laughs> asked you that, like, what was your response when she was like, "You should wear, shouldn't you wear a helmet?" What did you say? Um, I I laughed in her face to be honest, <laughs> and she said, "No, seriously." And then, um, uh, and then. I, I just sort of I just like I, I thought it was clear that I was being sarcastic, but she wasn't she wasn't with me on this. Um, I said, yeah, you know, I'll wear a, I'll wear a helmet. That's good. And you know what? Just to be extra careful, just in case, I'll also wear like safety goggles. And she was like, totally. Oh, my gosh. I know a great place. I was um, like, cool. OK, let's see how far we can do this. And, I thought, <laughs> and then maybe maybe I'll put like. I'll put like I'll, I'll attach a flashlight to my crotch just so I know exactly what's going on. She was like, "Oh, I guess you could do that." I was like, "No, no, I'm messing <laughs> with you. Stop." Oh. Do you find that sense of humor like? Do you find that sense of humor important for you in your not only in your day to day life? And I've I've hung out with you a little bit, and I, I noticed it right away. That's why I immediately was like, "Do you want to come my podcast?" Because I was like, "This person gets it." Like we. <laughs> I, I noticed it right away. Do you find that sense of humor helpful for you as a visually impaired person? I do because um, I think one of the worst things in one of the worst tortures you could you could give someone is uh, setting up a joke and no one going for the punchline. So I want to I want to handle the punchline for everyone I hang out with. That, I think that's I think that's amazing. Um, so it's a you, rich area. It is such a rich area. It really is. Um, so you don't have to use sex helmets, but you could if you needed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also wear sex goggles, which again, somebody get on this. Somebody needs to make us a uniform. There's I a, There's a market. There's a huge market. Somebody, look, I'm designing the first line of sex, of hands-free sex toys for disabled people with my company. So maybe I'll talk to my partner and see if sex helmets could be a thing. Totally. Anybody listening with traumatic brain injury, quite seriously, if that's a thing that would actually work for you, I was kidding when I started, but I'm serious now. Let's see. Let's talk about it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's there. It, it there's definitely a, a need out there. I think so. Maybe it's a thing. I don't. I genuinely don't know. Maybe it's a thing. Um, so 
there's a story that you put in your in your questionnaire a few months ago that and as soon as I got it I was like this person and I will be friends for life because I was like she gets she got it right away and the thing you I said what do you want to talk about let me build a narrative around you and the very second thing you put <laughs> on your list was no you can't fuck my eye socket and since you wrote that down I have been the most curious as to what this is all about so can you share that story with us where did that come from and tell me all about that so I think the most important thing to know about this story is that the story happened once. The response, that is the the, the working title of the story, I've actually had to give on several occasions. Oh, wow. This is definitely a thing that's out there, yeah. So um, I, was, I was on the subway heading home, had my white cane and everything. It was around uh, like 9.30, maybe 10 at night. And, um, I don't remember, I was, I was texting, I was probably texting my mom or something. I was, I was a teenager at the time, letting her know that I was going to be home in about an hour or whatever else maybe. And, um, a guy came up to me and he started asking me about my cane. And, um, I, I like, everyone has their preferences. Everyone has different moods that they're in all the time. You can choose to, to be an ambassador and give someone information turn into a teachable moment if you can or you could just say you know i really don't feel like talking about this today yeah um i'm usually in a mood to talk about it so i hear this guy's uh this this gentleman he's coming up to me and asking all sorts of uh questions really informed questions and stuff and then he shyly starts you know because i think um uh, and, and you probably andrew have uh have more experience uh dealing with this sort of um the, this sort of opinion than I do, but like, I think people have difficulty imagining, uh, uh, imagining people with disabilities actually having sex or being intimate in any way. Oh, totally. So yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, he started asking me about those kinds of questions and I was like, okay, yeah. On the subway, just like, okay, let's talk about this. I'm always so curious how people get from, Hey, how are you? How's your day to like, so, um, how do you talk? Yeah, like, how do you, why do you feel it's a pro, and also you're in a subway and you're a teenager, that's not, I just, it just feels Yeah, weird. I mean, like, I, I've always looked kind of a little bit older than I was, but yeah, I was 18 years old. It was, uh, this is not an appropriate question for someone who looked like it was in his mid-40s to be asking me. Oh, no, no, no. Like, my, my spidey senses are, like, run the fuck away from that. Yeah, but again, I look for the teachable moments, and this was when I was a teenager, it was before I was... More street smart, we'll say. I was going to phrase it in a different way, but it's not appropriate. Um, <laughs> you do know what podcast you're on. You're allowed to be as inappropriate as you'd like. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I was answering his questions and everything. And then he said, so I got to ask, is that a glass eye? And now that I'm thinking about it, I said, no, you didn't have to ask. You don't got to ask that. That's funny. Um so I said, no, it's not. It's my real eye. He said, oh, have you ever considered getting a glass eye? Again, that's a question I've gotten several times before. Which so I don't know wait, you... you have a real eye yeah. and people will actually say to you, do you want to get, do you want to have your real eye removed? And... Both my eyes are the natural ones I was born with. People have asked me, why don't you get your, your blind eye removed and replaced with a glass one? And I was like, why? And they say, what that, why not? What would that change? Like, okay, so what? So. It's, it's not your eye. It's like the optic, the the like retina and the optic nerve and all the cones and rods, right? 
Yeah. So that you getting a glass eye wouldn't change. I still looks like the other eye. Yeah. I like mean, it veers off to the left when it gets bored, but otherwise they look similar. Yeah. I, I think they look similar as far as I know. I've been told they look similar. They do look similar. Uh, I can see them right now. Oh, yeah? They do. I know. Well, now they, I, now they now really do. That makes the left one veer off just for, for those listening. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he asked, uh, would you ever get it replaced with a glass one? So I said, no, I think I'm good. He's like, oh, you know, you could. And then and you were he, like, okay. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. All right. And I'm still trying to remain like positive and open and friendly and everything. And um, and not because I felt pressured to. I was just like, no, I I will. I will get to the teachable moment in this conversation. I will. I will do that. And um I knew that I had lost this battle when he, uh, when his eyes glazed over, he bit his lower lip and said, because you know, you could do something with an empty eye socket. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, no. Oh. He bit really hard into that lower lip again after that sentence. And then at the top of my lungs in St. George Station... At around 10 at night, I said, no, you cannot fuck my eye socket. <laughs> oh, God. What did the people in the subway do? I, 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 I heard some gasps. Uh, as far as I could tell, the people who were immediately nearby turned and looked. And, and as, as I turned my head back to the, to the man, I was like admiring like, oh, I've caused a bit of a kerfuffle. Right. <laughs> as I turned back to the guy, I saw like... Uh, for those who can't see, you know, um, you know when you're watching like a Bugs Bunny cartoon and someone has run off and it sort of leaves that like ghosty sort of like bubble. Yeah. Afterwards? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I saw after he ran away so, so fast. Oh, my God. That's really funny. But also, I think that's a really good way of like of like protecting yourself, because you if you by screaming that you made sure people knew that like this person could have easily decided to be even creepier than that and maybe like i'm so glad i'm glad you screamed it um uh yeah i mean um yeah i mean i'm i'm very grateful that it was a heavily populated station it was it was at a at um at a at a busier time of the night versus later or early in the morning or something like that, there was definitely enough going on that like I, I was able to use my, my voice and my ridiculous volume as a tool to my advantage. Um, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm quite lucky that the circumstances were in my favor in all fairness though. I might have probably done that anyways, <laughs> Even yeah. if there was no one there, because this is why we need to be best. This is why right here we need to be best friends. Because I would probably have done the same thing. Totally, yeah. Um, because we talked, because we talked a little bit about safety there. I do want to ask the question as a visually impaired person coming up. How did you? How does sexual safety and like assault things? How does that different? How did that differ for you in terms of like being safe and? feeling comfortable and all that stuff. Um, well, first dates, I always had in public well-lit places during the day. Um, a big, big thing for me was that they always had to be near public transit. Again, I can't drive. 
back when I was, uh, you know, dating Lyft, Uber, these what, weren't really things. Wasn't around, yeah. Yeah. So I never, ever, ever wanted to rely on someone for the first few dates for a ride home. It makes sense, of course. Yeah. Being in a small, locked compartment with someone you don't know well. And, and someone who you can't really see very well also, like... You might not know exactly what they're doing or where they're driving. That's a big one. Yeah, yes. yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. I just wanted to check in because we think of, we don't talk really at all about sexual assault and disabled people other than to give, like, percentages and say, like, oh, you know, they're twice as likely to be assaulted. But we never really give resources for disabled people or people with disabilities to protect themselves so in that vein do you what what advice do you have for young visually impaired people who might want to have resources for that or just in your experience um yeah if so we know that sexual assault typically occurs with someone uh who's known to uh to to the victim yeah um so i would say Yes, uh, meeting in public places for the first few times, um, um, and meeting during the day if you have some vision, so you can you can just get out, just run if you need to. Um, but otherwise, I mean, with any sort of dating situation, uh, disability or not, um, there is a level of risk. Um, yeah, of course. I, I like to quote Bob Dylan when he says, when something's not right, it's wrong. You know, if you feel it in your gut that something's not quite there, something's not quite right, trust it. Just go. Um, if the person wants to know what happened, what's going on, there's always texting. You can you can always get in touch with them another way. Yeah, send you- an email later. Be like, bye, I gotta get out. Yeah, exactly. Just like, yeah, peace. Um I, I, I wonder what you would think about this, actually. Um, I, I haven't verified this with the CNIB, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, um, but I had a, a mobility and orientation uh, instructor when I was starting university, and he mentioned that the CNIB used to teach um, self-defense with a white cane, which I don't know if you've ever uh, if you've ever gotten to, to handle a white cane, if you've seen one in, in motion or something like that. It's pretty much um, uh, titanium tubes on a giant rubber band. Yeah. So um, this is meant to so that it can be folded up really easily into about uh, uh, a unit that's about uh, 12 inches long and can easily be snapped out um, just just by being released sort of thing. Um, so there's, yeah, they used there's to nothing in my life that I've handled that's 12 inches long. I only wish that I could handle something in my life that was 12 inches long one day soon. Well, someday, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, my pants open to something like 48 inches, so keep your head up. <laughs> wow. All right. Good. So, sorry, you were, you were saying. Yeah. So, I do wonder what you think about this. They used to teach self-defense the white cane, and um, they discontinued that, I believe it was somewhere in the early 2000s. Um... The the logic behind it was that it was um, it was a weaponizing um, uh, mobility tool. 
Um, um, the counter argument to that would be that the people who have access to this mobility uh, tool would would be at a disadvantage in a physical encounter regardless. What do you think of that? I say that's a thank you for the question. Sorry, uh, I'm doing you now. I hope you don't mind. No, I'm glad. I this I, I'm glad it got flipped a little bit. And I love this conversation. It's great. But I okay. think that you should use your white cane as a self defense thing. Why? Why not? Why not? Like, I, I'm, I'm gonna if someone attacks me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna use my I'm not gonna like as as I've said to many friends before. I'm not gonna like lay it gently on the ground. Just just make fists with my hands and be like. Okay, now it's a fair fight. Yeah, like no, and I like just I, take your tongue every so often so I could find your jaw. That's it. I'm a wheelchair user, and it, I I gotta say, if somebody was attacking me, I, my first instinct would be to run them the fuck over. Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. Like, and I would totally use my <laughs> I would totally use my mobility device to do that. I like so yeah. so I see what they're saying because they're trying to say like. The white cane helps you retain personhood and shouldn't be used like for acts of violence. I get, I, I get it from a institutional standpoint. Like I know I can understand why yeah. CNIB would say that, but in in a real situation, fuck that. I'm gonna use whatever I have at my disposal to make sure I'm safe. Totally right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like people use their keys and everything. Like um, all different kinds of um, martial arts style teach you how to use like common objects to defend yourself and um yeah and and the reason i describe the makeup of a white cane is uh because to me like taken apart or taken partially apart they could kind of act as nunchucks right <laughs> kind of a bit of an invitation don't you think i mean you know i think that and that also makes me think of like like adapted karate classes like can somebody if they haven't already can someone get on that i would i would watch that that'd be really cool be amazing but yeah once i was caught in a uh, queen's park actually we were uh we were learning a uh, fencing or like sta stage combat at the drama program at u of t and um um now it's called the drama center but yeah back then so we were learning um we were learning stage combat and practicing it in queen's park uh, my friends had found branches to use off of like that had fallen off of trees, and I, of course, used my white cane. And I actually got told by a police officer that that's misuse of a white cane, and I could be fined for it. You were probably told that by some able-bodied white police officer who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. A little uh, bit, yeah. Like a, a little bit, definitely that situation. Yeah, totally. You know what? If you've never handled my mobility device, shut the fuck up and let me do what I want with it. And like. That's not to say that you go around hitting people with your white cane every day and I go around running people over every day. I mean, that we don't do that every day, but if I've got to protect myself, fuck your rules. I'm going to do what I got to do. Yeah, and I told him, don't worry, it's academic. <laughs> Which it was. You, you weren't lying. Um, education purposes, sir? Yeah. Okay. Officer, like, fuck right up. Um, uh, so I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to shift gears a little bit to... One of the other things you wrote down, you said you want to talk about familial expectations on your future relationships. Um, and we all have those, but I do think people with disabilities have a lot more expectations of them put on them by family because the family wants them to be, to feel safe. Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry, uh, I'll, I'll make it clear. What I mean was like your family expected you in respect to like relationships when you were coming up to have certain types of relationships 
Yes, and I think that um, uh, for certain family members, definitely not generally, but for certain family members, I think that the expectation was none. They expected you to not to just not have relationships. I I do believe some people thought that, like in the back of their minds. I don't even think they even consciously acknowledged it, but I think a lot of people thought that. You know, a very traditional sort of standpoint is, who would have her? Oh wow! <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> You're not, you're not wrong about that being a traditional standpoint, but like put it that bluntly, that sounds really like that's cold. Yeah, that's cold, right? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I can get mine. Um, but yeah, I do think that a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people didn't expect me to uh, to to uh, to go on dates, to be in relationships, to get married, and stuff like that. Um, I do think that because there was, you know, people were, were of course, like, you know, at, at a wedding, people are like happy for the person, but like, it was a weird sort of happy at our wedding. It's like, oh, it's so good. She's getting married. Oh, it's so good that he found her (laughs) or she found him sort of thing. Like it was like, oh, she got married. So there was, there was still the, there was still this sense in your wedding that like, you need to be protected by this guy and like like he found you and then would protect you from the big bad scary world because you're visually impaired no i also think it was more like <laughs> if like and and we did get a bit of this i will not get into into this subject too too much but there was a little bit of um he, he, my, um uh my partner uh my husband um did get a bit of are you sure when when he when it came to me, because like, they were just like, like th- there is the attitude that like, she's damaged, she's broken. You sure you want to deal with that? Wow. Did, and like, did people ever say to him, as far as you know, or to, like, did people ever say like, if she's damaged or broken, did they use that language? I I'm paraphrasing a little bit because I I actually asked him to not hear the full story of encounters like this, um, but yeah, it seems like that's the sense that we we got from those from those uh, conversations. Okay, note family members of anybody with a disability, please don't say this to prospective partners of us or us. Don't please. Even if you think it, you can think it as much as you want. Oh, thankfully, this stuff wasn't my family. No, no. But just like any family members of our partners or of us, you can think these things until the cows come home. Just don't tell me you're thinking about them. Right. Yeah. Like, again, like it's, it's not necessarily family that these comments came from, but it was just sort of like a, just around us. There was a bit of, are you sure? Her? No, Arrested Development style. Her? (laughs) And it's like... (laughs) Thanks. I don't think I'm I'm too much of an egg, but anyways. um, Yeah, there was... But I'll say this, that like... um, I'll say that my my headline in the family has been more uh, based on my personality than my impairment. Because I do have a very loud, very abrasive personality. And that comes out first, typically. 
I don't notice you being very abrasive. Like you seem you. You, you... have a good reason, dear. <laughs> All right then. I'll, <laughs> I will make sure that I don't do that. <laughs> I'm I'm very agreeable as long as we agree. Agreeability is perfect. I don't know. It's how necessary. To... Yes, but there was what I mean to say is like around us getting together, there was sort of like. Wow! Someone actually decided to marry her. Wow! Oh. Someone, someone did that. Like, it was less about someone to protect me versus, wow, someone, like, someone actually chose her. Wow! Like, that's, that's so, so that's so painful. Him. That's so painful to hear. Like, and you're not wrong. And I'm sure people did, did that was kind of the general consensus. I'm sure, but to hear it from someone's mouth is like, oh, wow. Yeah, and it was just like it was just like a little inflection and a little tone. And if you're not used to hearing that, you probably would miss it. But it was just like, yeah, there was like a different kind. It was like there was there was like an element of surprise and relief behind people's tones when they congratulated us. This, listeners, is another form of ableism that I we talk about ableism on the show all the time. This little tone that Audrey's talking about is also a form of ableism. So take note when you're talking about disabled people. If you make that tone, you're probably being an ableist. Yeah. Um, when when in doubt, just uh, just uh, shut up or be polite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shut up is probably the best. Just shut up. Just shut up. That's yeah. probably the best way to go. Um, I want to. You don't have something nice to say, right? <laughs> that whole bit. Yeah. Exactly. I want to That's all. I want to ask you about the Lexus guy story. <gasps> I'm so glad. Okay, so um, this was on uh one of the few first dates I've I've ever had. I'm like, I I think you might get this from this conversation is that I'm what someone referred to as a serial monogamist. So I I don't have many first, second, third date stories. I have relationship stories, but um. Yes, the Lexus guy. So I had been on on two or three dates with with this uh, with this uh, with this man, and it was, it was they were like okay. I was taking this date that we were on on this particular day, that was taking place at um, at dusk. So this is this is a very operative time for me. It's like it was that I was on my way to my six p.m. class uh, in my first year and. Um, yeah, I was deciding pretty much whether or not this was going to continue. This was the the last date where I was like, everything was kind of eh up until this point. And now this this day was going to be the deciding one. So we had a decidedly bland conversation at a second cup um, where he, as, as per usual, it seemed for him, just wanted to talk about his new car, his new Lexus, his fancy new Lexus. So... I, I politely nodded along and tried to change the subject. Good seat and save the the adjacent ones for my friends. Okay, I'm I'm gonna head out. All right. So um, he walked me out, and I was gonna say, you know, that classic sort of. So it was great to see you. I'll see you around, sort of thing. Like yeah. So we won't. Um, and as we were leaving, it had gotten dark, so I took out my white cane, and he went, oh. I was like, oh, that's a new one. <laughs> that was really upfront. Okay. Oh, all right. And so I said, yes. 
I, I thought like maybe I'd hit his foot. It happens sometimes. It does happen. And he said, "No, I um, I uh, I didn't realize it was like that, because oh. of course I mentioned to him I have nothing to hide. I'm fine." So I said, "Yeah, I, I can't see well at night." So he said, "So I don't know if we should see each other again because I'm kind of worried about genetics." What? <laughs> um so this was i I think i've been completely um speechless only two or three times in my life this was one of them i am speechless right now (laughs) what um for for people listening andrew's uh mouth is gaping open his jaw is probably somewhere on the floor (laughs) correct it is yes entirely so um uh, I, I guess he, he thought that maybe I was just taking this information in. Cause I really, what do you say to that? You know? <laughs> yeah. What do so, you say to that? But let it be known that this man was so gallant, so heroic because he jumped in with my consolation prize saying, we could still totally fool around if you want though. <laughs> what? Isn't that heroic? What a Isn't fucking that nice? ass bag. No. Isn't that sweet? Oh. So I don't know if, um, I don't know if, uh, people are going to look up my picture online after this podcast or anything like that. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a world-class model or anything, but I can get it. I'm like, fine. <laughs> I don't need someone to throw me a pity fuck. I'm fine. <laughs> So many possible titles for this episode. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm flattered by that. Thank you. Um, so I said, no, thank you. And then he was, I guess he realized that he had gone out on a, on a nasty ass limb. And he said, okay, uh, can I give you a ride back to campus? And I said, no, thank you. So he gets into his, car his nice lexus his banking new lexus and i am holding a titanium stick in my hand uh. and i'm angry at this man <laughs> <laughs> i'm so, so ready I his and i dented his hood a few times <laughs> now according to, to that officer you met in the park that is a quote misuse of a white cane, but good for fucking you. <laughs> yes, definitely illegal. But like, I, I, I wonder why I didn't get charged for that. <laughs> well, I mean, I that's where you play. That's the that's those are one of those moments where you play the poor disabled girl that doesn't know any better, and then oh, sorry. I didn't see the car. Yeah, I don't know. Oh man, yeah, I th- and he just he just sat in the car, just kind of waited for me to be done. <laughs> then I waved goodbye with one finger and <laughs> went about my day. What was he thinking? What was his line of thinking? What was when he- no, but when he asked you about genetics, like, what was he? I'm curious. Like, what do you think he was thinking? Or did he think that if he like, if he fu- if he slept with you and then you had a kid, what? The kid might also have your... And they would come out of my vajayjay tapping away with their white cane. Yeah. 
That's, um, what, that's using the umbilical cord as a white cane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when people say that visual just made me think of like when people say to me, are you born in a wheelchair? And I always go, no, that would really hurt my mom. Yeah. They had to add that later. <laughs> like, no, that's so funny. But um, what a fun- yeah. And, and like, um, it's, it's also just hilarious. The kind of assumptions people make, cause my visual impairment is not genetic at all. It's degenerative, right? Yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one because it's uh, only one in two hundred fifty thousand uh, babies are born with it. Most of them are premature boys, and I was a late female, so go oh, figure. Oh wow! But yeah, it's not something that gets passed on, is what I mean to say. So, uh, people are so stupid. People are kind of ridiculous, yeah. And when I say stupid, I don't mean it in the I want to be clear because I just realized I was recording that. I want to be clear. I was not talking about individuals with intellectual disabilities. I was talking about ableist douchebags who would say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was loud and clear over here. Don't worry about that. And by ridiculous, I meant ridiculous. Just making sure for the, the, the people who are listening who are like, oh, you shouldn't use that language. Yes, I know. Probably shouldn't have said yeah. stupid, but I did. And so I just wanted to qualify who I was talking about. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was hard for me to get the word, uh, and uh, and apologies if this offends anyone. I don't mean it to. Um, just try, just trying to make my language a bit, uh, my language a bit more sensitive and inclusive. Was getting rid of the word uh, crazy. It's so, uh, and I, you know what, I do that all the time myself too. I, I, and I have to remind myself, no, no, no. Like, it's a learning process, and I think we're all learning there. And I think it's, it is, yeah. I think it's okay. I'm just glad. That- or the, people are feel free enough to speak out, but yeah, I'm trying to get that word out of my out of my vocabulary. So like, yeah, that one I've replaced with ridiculous, for example. It's a good it's a good replacement. I have to I have Try, to replace yeah. stupid with something else. I don't know what I'm going to use yet, but I have to look into it and see what's more it's, appropriate. Mm-hmm. There's a learning curve though. But we'll all get there. Ableist people are that would actually a- ask you on a date. Wow. Um. How do you feel like so you said you're a voice actor? Yes. And I which I think is great and I I have I want to ask you about some things for later. I'm thinking about some projects for me we should talk. Um but Ooh. I I want to ask you about your drama instructor in university was supportive of your disability on paper but mm. wasn't supportive of anybody with any sort of impairment in pursuing theater. Can you share those experiences with us? Yes, um, this one this one actually hurt quite a lot. There are there are few things more important in my life than uh, the study and, um, and 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 pursuit of drama and uh, and theater. And um, my performance instructor uh, in university, one of them, uh, gave this really beautiful, moving, inspirational, really, and I don't use that word often, inspirational speech about how people working in the arts have to create their own opportunities. And that really spoke to, I I think I can say with confidence, it spoke to all of us, that, um, you know, unfortunately we live in in a country at a time where the arts aren't as supported as, as they could be, as they should be maybe, or as they are in other countries. 
And we have to do our best to get our stories told, get ourselves out there, use our work, uh, use our craft to be able to to share more. And this was this was just when I was uh, um, mounting my first uh, my first production for my production company. Um, so yeah, I was producing and directing my first ever play. And um, yeah, and and that that speech would have stuck with me had it not been for the ensuing um, final interviews we had with uh, with every um, with that the teacher had with every um, student in the class. So I go into his office at the scheduled time and everything, and he talks to me about my work that year, and explains. Um, where I could go from here and that sort of thing and how I've improved um, and and all that sort of thing. And it's, it's mainly positive. And I go out feeling good because I know that like I was, I started out this year a little bit shaky. I had already um, missed a year in the drama program and everything. And I'd come back and I did, I felt a little bit out of place, but I integrated, I think fairly well into the class. And um, this teacher at the end of the interview said, but I understand you're also applying to law school. And I said, yes, but to be honest, I'm rethinking that. I might want to pursue a career in theater. Right. And so I said that law school might be the right place for me because uh, a visual impairment precludes me from working in theater. Ugh. And that one, that one hurt so much. Because this is a person who had who had his own uh, struggles in the field and everything, and um, was seemed so supportive and so willing to help anyone with any sort of a hurdle they might have to overcome. And I I really looked forward to being in contact with him um, over the course of my uh, my career, and to hear that from someone. I looked up to we all looked up to was just harrowing that I mean what a what a a douche nozzle like 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 why would you and this is the, he was your drama professor right yeah and so you were in the class and you were taking it and he was like he literally was like what did you think you're taking it for fun like yes fun but like obviously there, there was a part of you that wanted to take it for more serious stuff and now like now look you, you don't just you don't just do it for 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 shits and giggles, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you're you're in it for real. Do you think his comment and you said you have a production company? Do you think his comment kind of pushed you to be like, "Fuck you, I'm gonna do it now." Watch. No, because then I'm still doing it for him. Whoa, I did it because I wanted to do it. That was like that, and thank you. You that went in a whole different direction, but no, you're right. But like. That's awesome. That's I think not what he said. I think your your willingness to be like this is not this has nothing to do with you. I'm doing it because I want to, and like, but I can imagine that once he said that, like the your how did you feel about drama after he said that? Were you like I'm done? Um, it it was a good um reminder about the um. That um, these sort of attitudes permeate all all Every, points in society. Everywhere. Um, 
just everything. And, um, you know, I, I did have this sort of fairy tale um, uh, view of the drama program as being like the one place where these things don't apply. And uh, yeah, because it's it's meant to be um, uh, a space to explore, to fail, to mess up, to try again and everything. And those are perfect and- metaphors for like the experience of disability is we we mess up and fail a lot and like things are a little bit different for us. So like, yeah, drama seems like the perfect fit for the disabled community because it allows us to be as messy as we need to be with our disabilities. Yeah. To try things different ways was, was the main thing for me. I was just like, I I'm, I'm very open about um, raising my hand in a class and being like, Nope, this isn't working for me sort of thing. I'll tell you about a, a math teacher later <laughs> at some point um, in high school. But, um, yeah, I've always been very clear about that. And it seemed as though those classes, the in those classes, um, the attitude was, yeah, let's find another way. Let's let's experiment. Let's get to a different solution. Let's try something. And um, it was a, a very, uh, that, that interview at the end of the year, that was a very harsh, very painful reality check that, as much as we want to believe that, um, you know, a group of people or an institution or something has risen above that sort of those those sort of archaic attitudes, that it's it's it takes time. It's not always there right yeah, away. Yeah, and they haven't. And I mean, I mean, in twenty nineteen, almost twenty twenty now, we still haven't. Like, and so that's why I think it's really great what you're doing as a as a creative to to have like your own production company and like my friend and Mm. I are working on another podcast about disabled creators and I'm going to talk to her and be like, this person needs to come on and talk about drama. Um, So we will talk again. This was such a fun hour though, Audrey. It was so fun to like, it's been an hour. Yeah. Wow. We've been, we've been just chatting away for an hour. It was such, so such a great, opportunity to have you and thank you for taking the time today and being so flexible with your time um oh my pleasure it's great to speak with you as well it was so fun is that how do people get a hold of you how do people get a hold of me um oh i guess uh a facebook direct message or it's called a dm these days right that's what the kids are saying i think yeah that's what the kids are saying. Okay, so yeah, through through Facebook will work. A DM will be fine. Um, for those who who can see, uh, my my profile picture is me pretending to drive a car with my white cane hanging out the window. Amazing, amazing, and that that, that speaks very highly of your sense of humor. I, I will. <laughs> I'll also make sure your. Uh, do you want to shout out your production company? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, we're Seventh Method Productions. Amazing. I will make sure that all that's in the show notes. Uh, Audrey Amar, this was such a great chat. Thank you for being so open with me today. I loved talking to you and we'll be in touch. It was lovely speaking to to you as well, Andrew. Thanks, Audrey. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and thank you so much for listening and helping the show go. I really appreciate that you all listen and that you come back every week, and I love doing it, and I love shining a bright light on these topics, so thank you. 
If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you'll find my writings, some cool videos I've been in, and you'll see where I've been talking, where I've been doing talks, and if you want to hire me to talk, you can do so there as well. If you want to follow me on the social media, you can put in all my handles on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at TheAndrewGerza. If you want to follow the podcast specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DisabilityAfterDark. This show is a completely independent production. I literally record the show here in my bedroom in Toronto, and that's awesome. So if you want to support this fully independent program, you can head over to Patreon.com slash DisabilityAfterDark, and you can pledge $1 a month to get the show early and get really cool perks like that, and I, I will give you a shout-out on the air, and thank you for your support. It would be super awesome if you could also leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast so that this show, all about sexuality and disability, something we don't talk about enough, can get more traction and more people can hear about the show. Lastly, if you want to be a part of Disability After Dark, you can submit your suggestions, story ideas, or your minisodes to our email inbox, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, we'll be back next time, right here on the program Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability, Disability After Dark. New episodes of Disability After Dark will be available every Thursday on your favorite podcast app. Also available to Patreon subscribers one day early on every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019.